Welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Today's episode number 63 with Dr. Rick Cohen is on the topic of testosterone with a capital T. This is a heavy topic for the older athlete and especially for men. We all know people who are getting supplemental testosterone, whether they rave about it or keep it a secret. I decided it was time to find out what was all the hubbub. Rick Cohen, MD, is a leading authority in the fields of nutrition, sports performance, and longevity medicine. Dr. Cohen says that testosterone is a critical marker of health status and is often an issue for the older male endurance athlete. Key signs of likely testosterone issues include losing or difficulty gaining muscle, decreased libido, and loss of morning wood. The good news is there are many things we can do on our own to recover our health and our testosterone. Listen in as Dr. Cohen shares his tips as well as many details about his work with athletes looking for better performance and better health. And be sure to listen to the end to hear about how to sign up for Dr. Cohen's study on a testosterone boosting protocol that includes some low-cost testing of your own testosterone levels. All right, let's talk to Dr. Cohen. Dr. Rick Cohen, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be here. Lovely yeah, Saturday uh, morning. Yes. Western North Carolina. <laughs> And now we are both in yes. Western North Carolina. Isn't that amazing? Small world. Well, testosterone is a topic that has sort of been floating around in my brain somewhere for a long time. I, I mentioned to you offline here that that I tried to be a bodybuilder when I was in high school and, you know, testosterone, you know, if I only had some, if I only knew where to get some, I surely would have done it. Uh, but you know, as I got older, you know, of course didn't want to, you know, mess myself up, uh, you know, all these injecting chemicals and things, you know, there's like no way I'd ever do anything like that. But the older I got, the more and more I heard about this dreaded thing called low T and, you know, did I have that? And is that all just bunk and some dodge for being able to take illegal drugs to enhance for it as a performance enhancer, you know, I just, I never really knew and and never really looked into it until now. And so I'm really tickled to have you on, Rick. Awesome. Yeah. It, it's important. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'm just going to lead off, like they say, go big or, or go home, right? Okay. So I'm going to go big and go home with, with a sort of a refraining statement. And I want people to think of testosterone in a different way. You, like right. you mentioned, you only, we hear low T, low T, low T. And it's like, yeah. well, you either have low T or you don't. Well, no. Okay. Testosterone. Here's the point for men. Think of testosterone as sort of a gauge or um, a marker over your overall health and well-being. So for huh. men, um, whatever the age is, and we know that because testosterone levels in men have declined 20, 25% over the past 20 years. And we can get into the reasons for that. And we know testosterone declines as we get older, but not necessarily because we get older, okay? Because oh. there's more time accumulation, there's more things to go wrong. Um, part, oh, so, so more just this indicator of health rather it's, than it's it an just indicator, being an... And, and, and I, that's the big statement. I would say your total and free testosterone levels are an maybe one of the best markers of overall health in men because there's so many things that can throw that off and we can get into that but if you have a good high testosterone you're healthy right you're, they're, all the pieces are working all the connections the enzymes the pituitary the testes the proteins in the blood your cell receptors your mitochondria are all flowing 
And if you have good testosterone and you're feeling well, then you're in a good place. And if your testosterone is not, not if it's not a low T, but if it's not where it needs to be, it means there's a link there that's not strong. And, you know, the challenge is trying to find that link and you, you can do pretty well. You know, sometimes it takes some detective work. Um, so that that's the big statement that Great. If, if people can walk away from this podcast, go, oh, okay, I, I'm going to think it of a different way. And that sort of means paying attention to your testosterone on a reasonable basis, you know, every Great. four to six months in some ways, because what you do, how you train, the stress you're under, the lack of sleep will all lead to declines in testosterone. Right. Well, that's great. Uh, what I'm hoping, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hoping we're going to be able to do here today for our audience and for me personally is be able to understand better what are the things we do wrong in our lifestyle mm -hmm. that accumulate over time that cause this indicator of our health, testosterone, to start to decline. And so what can we do to reverse that ourselves, you know, not by taking a drug or going to a doctor or things like that. It's just, you know, the lifestyle things, what we eat, how we deal with stress, how we exercise or don't exercise, you know, et cetera, that we could do to make a difference. Sort of like, you know, anybody who's my age, an older athlete who is trying to stay strong as long as possible, they've noticed a decline. Mm -hmm. Of, of a, in, a, in a variety of ways, and they've been making changes in order to try to compensate for those declines. And maybe some of the things that they and I have been doing have been helping with my testosterone also. Uh, but maybe there's more things that we could all learn about and do on our own. And then there are even more things that can be done with an expert like yourself. Is that right. going to be the story? Uh, yeah, yes. And I think let me take that and say um, you made an important point there. And we think most people think low T and they think, oh, I'm going to get some testosterone injection or take a medicine or try some herb. And what you said is really the, the key point that most people don't think. It's really how you're living. And when we look at that's why that testosterone is a guide point, because you really have two different you have you and I who are getting older, who probably our testosterone aren't quite, I think mine's still pretty good. And I'll bet you yours is probably pretty good as well, but they're not what they were when we were younger, maybe a yeah. slight decline. Mine isn't too bad, right? I, I try to do everything. But then you have people who are significantly low, right? They may be yeah. just over what would be considered threshold. But even then that person there, there's definitely a key factor. That's why did that happen? If it's not an infection, it's not they're not kicked in their nuts if they don't have a you know varicocele if, if they don't have a pituitary tumor you know if they they don't have a medical pathology which 95 percent of the people don't have there's only yeah. about four or five percent of the people who have a true pathology mm -hmm. that require a medical or a, a replacement intervention the other 95 percent it's a lifestyle it's a metabolic it's it's a, a stress, it's, you know, there's, there's a food, it's a toxin, there's all these different factors that come into play. And I have, let me just, um, if you could allow me here just a minute, I, I was trying to sure. think of a, a good analogy of 
of testosterone. This is probably maybe a second key point. There are many factors, right, that play a role in testosterone. And we can go deeper if you want at some point. There's the brain that has to signal the testes. There's the testes that have to produce it. There's the blood that then has to carry the hormones to the cell. There's the cell receptors, which have to recognize the testosterone. Then, and then you have the membrane and the mitochondria, which have to actually produce the energy. So you have all these, and you have the liver, which can be messed up, messing up the protein. So you have multi pieces that have to be in sync. And if any one of these are sort of out of whack due to lifestyle, diet, stress, toxins, you know, too much alcohol, uh -huh. you know, overtraining, lack of physical training, the system is going to not going to be connected. You know, it's not going to flow right. And the analogy I sort of use um, is if you're trying to um, grow some plants, right? And right. you have an irrigation system. You're trying to grow them in Colorado or Bend, Oregon, and you require this irrigation system, which needs to be timed. Okay. So it has a timer because you can't just flood the water onto the field. So you have a timer that, and this is what testosterone does. It pulses through the day. So you're, you're, you're providing a certain amount through the day and a certain timing. You have your pump, which needs to pull the water down the canal. You, you have the, the pipes, which need to deliver the water. And then you have your source, whether, whether it's reservoir or you're purchasing elsewhere. Now, the current philosophy is I look at the field and it's dry. The current philosophy is, oh, wait, let me go check the timer. Let me go check the pipes. Let me go check the pump. Let me go check the reservoir. We don't do that. What we do is we call our buddy and we say, hey, can you deliver a water truck? <laughs> and the guy says, sure, I'll deliver that water truck, but you can only have it for three or four hours and I can, can't come back for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just deliver that water truck. We're going to dump it on the field and then we're going to let it be. Well, that's what we do with testosterone injections. We just okay. dump testosterone into the system. And we don't care about the metabolic consequences or the water, you know, flooding things out. And that's sort of our state of addressing it. But what we need to do is be looking at all those different factors. And that's where the lifestyle, the stress, the diet, the toxins, the liver, all these things come into play. So I, I, hopefully that sort of gives people a different view of, of the process because it's not it's a little it requires a little bit of work. Yeah. requires requires understanding about functional health and it doesn't require a medicine you know it's it's a yeah. little bit harder it's a lot easier to here take this injection but that's not the fix well that's great well so i wonder if you could step back uh, just a second for the sake of our audience and just tell us a little a little bit about your background how did you become an expert in testosterone and then tell us about what are some of the symptoms of the testosterone falling? How do we know that this is happening other than seeing it in the advertisements? How do we know that our testosterone is falling? Got you know, it. Okay. Each of us personally, things that we might've noticed. Yeah. So I, I'm a functionally oriented physician. So as, as you can understand, you know, my, you know, it's trying to understand physiology. You know, we don't give things necessarily a name. It's just, you know, when health is out of balance, right? Call you out Your health is out of balance. The goal is to figure out the functional physiology of the body. Um, I originally became involved with more of a functional oriented training um, through working with guys such as um, Terry Hartog. He's in Belgium. He's sort of a very famous hormonal educator. Um, okay. The Broda Barnes Foundation um, 
which sort of took on the work of a sort of this Dr. Broda Barnes, who was very much into thyroid health. And he was sort of an old world family practitioner who didn't rely on lab tests. He actually, you know, when family practitioners could look at people, you know, and they, they could say, you know, cause they didn't have labs. They could look at someone with thyroid or adrenal and go, okay, your, your skin is thick. You're losing your eyebrows, right? Um, your yeah. hair is dry. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a particular glistening to the skin. You know, the toes look, the toenails look, and that's how they would diagnose and they'd measure temperature. And then they'd give people a natural glandular thyroid and had traumatical effects on that. But, you know, much more, they didn't rely on labs. So work yeah. with him. And then the other um, gentleman I work with, who's sort of the, we'll call him the godfather of, of hormonal health is Gene Shippen. Gene Shippen wrote the first book, Testosterone Syndrome, which came out in the early 2000s. And, you know, he's still around and he was sort of crossing of that old world family practitioner and sort of the modern, he's in his eighties now. And, okay. and he's, I spoke to, I just spoke to him for 15 years. I spoke to him recently and he's just as wise and clever as he ever was. I have forgotten like what, what a character this guy is, but awesome. so I, I work with him as well. So it was sort of combining um, some of the European methods the Broda Barn old world family practitioner methods, mentoring and doing some conferences with Gene Shippen and then, um, sort of throwing sort of a functional medicine gene was more of a, a traditional pr family practitioners delivered baby, right? You know, that type of guy. So, uh -huh. but I came from a more of a functional um, health. And then my additional background is sort of in nutritional product formula formulation. Uh -huh. So, so I sort of layered all these, you know, pieces together into my own little cake, right? So okay. I, I have a different view or a more, comprehensive view of sort of putting these different pieces together and you know i actually um developed some products <laughs> in 2001 viagra came out yes and i we were seeing in my work with broda barnes and gene Shippen, it was like people didn't know about tea it was like no one knew fix my tea it didn't exist there was no topical testosterone it was just injections and that was uh -huh. it yeah. So the topical, the only way you could get topical testosterone was like a compounding pharmacist can make it for oh, you. Right? right. And injections were really cheap, but no one was pushing it because there was no pharmaceutical dollar at that point. So when Viagra came out, you know, when um, happenstancely this medicine, which was supposed to be for coronary artery disease for nitric oxide, didn't work there, but it worked elsewhere. Right. You know, it, and as men became, it became more of an issue. You know, now we have an awareness of men's health. And I saw <laughs> it's like I said, this is coming. And I actually got involved and made a, a particular with sort of the first over the counter or supplement for men at that point. Huh. You know, we the first one on the market. I was the sort of developer and actually a radio spokesperson um, with regard to this particular product in the early 2000s. So, huh. um, yeah. So ever since then, I sort of we got involved in hormone testing and saliva hormone testing, where I was even working with some pharmaceutical companies and, and then just the market got flooded. Um, but yeah, so it's something that I've, I did very much so in for about 10 years and for the past 10, 15 years, been really more involved in sort of overall performance and health and longevity. And just recently there was an opportunity to 
sort of provide our hormone test kit, like um, back on the market, I was reached out by someone I work with and they wanted me to sort of provide this tool for people to monitor their health. So here I am back, <laughs> back in the testosterone realm and with a lot more information, you know, a lot Fantastic. more knowledge and a lot more tools that exist than Broda Barnes had. Wow. Well, so what I'm after and the people who follow me along on this podcast are after is what you do, apparently. So uh, what a good fit. Uh, I mean, we're looking to fight off the declines in our athletic performance uh, that seem to be due to age, or maybe you're going to say that it's just due to time and lifestyle and uh, time in a bad lifestyle. And, and there are things that we can do to offset that, but we also want to live a long time too. And so we yeah. don't want to do things that are going to injure our ability to be healthy for a long time, not, not you know, and, and only give us some sort of short-term benefits we can win a race this exactly. year kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. So that's really great. Well, let's start with how do people, how do they know? How yeah, can they so, sense okay. that they've got this testosterone decline? Yeah. So there's some key, <laughs> this is from Gene Shippen and he'll say it outright. You got morning wood, right? <laughs> if, if you do not have a regular morning wood, your testosterone is not where it needs to be. You know, that, that's probably the greatest, simplest, you know, most demonstrative marker that we can pay attention to. And that'll fluctuate and change. So if that's, that's not one. there, it's an easy one, right? <laughs> Doesn't require um, very much science. If that's not there, you know, it's not the only reason that would be for sure. Like there could be neurological issues. There could be vascular issues. But you should be, have that. You or should you've have something that. wrong. That is correct. If that's gone, okay. it's like, oh, I'm getting older. Well, it's yeah. So that's what we hear. The doctors tell us you're getting older. No, <laughs> no, your, your body isn't as healthy where it's not functioning as well as it used to because you haven't had the time, you know, to muck it up. Right. We're much right. more resilient. And yes, the cells and the DNA and that is changing. And we're, we're all deal with a template of cellular, you know, diminishment. And that's a whole nother com conversation of our aging clock. So morning wood. Um, loss of muscle, right? Hmm. Can't can't hold muscle the way you used to. So if huh. you've you've put on muscle and you lost muscle and put on body fat, huge indicator, right? Um, drive, I'd say. You know, I, I'd say with your well, even before that, recovery. If you don't recover as well, you know, there are many things that can also do that. Lack inadequate protein, you know, overtraining. But you know, you start to piece these together. Um, yeah. Well, maybe cool. all of these things impact your testosterone too. They do. That's, that's correct. Right. Okay. So, so, um, poor recovery, sort of lack of, I think a flatness, a lack of motivation. Um, ah. you know, and I even say it's partly, partly getting older. So testosterone affects dopamine in the brain. It's a neurotransmitter, you know, you know just for those. So we have two main neurotransmitters in our brain, dopamine and serotonin. Yeah. Dopamine is our drive. It's our passion. It's, it's our, it's our hunter gatherer. It, it's go out and fight. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's that intensity you have before a competition or that intensity you have before a race. Uh -huh. Serotonin is become, it's relax. It's, it's after a meal, you know, you're just sort of sitting around and you're satisfied. You're satisfied. So th there's always a balance. Well, testosterone drives dopamine and dopamine drives testosterone. So sort of like the studies that say, if you smile, it'll make you happy. Even when you're sad, 
if you go out and do something that has heck, if I'm a Duke basketball fan, right? It was like yeah. yesterday's game, right? But when they win, I'm sure if I can measure instantaneously testosterone, it's going to be higher because you have uh -huh. this dopamine, you have a satisfaction. They've done studies where you know your team wins in a competition and the fans who watch it have higher testosterone. That's and, great. It, and a lot of that is maybe they're drunk, but a lot of it is after there's a drive and there's a certain activity or people who are doing more thrill seekers. And it's, it's a little bit of a balance because you can say, and this is, we know orthopedic surgeons, um, football players, um, have higher testosterone in general than pediatricians, accountants, and artists, right? It, it, it's just the nature of the beast because there's huh. this back and forth of neurotransmitters. And the, huh. and the key to know, you know, with testosterone is we're all different. Like my natural testosterone is going to be different than someone else who's going to be completely different than my son's been watching the world's strongman, um, road fitness yeah. recently. And those guys have a lot of testosterone, <laughs> right? You know, just naturally, yeah. you know, they, they, a lot, most of them don't have hair, right? You know, just huge rip, their facial structure is different. It's just, right. they were born with that particular, um, balance and that affects your drive. So th those are some uh, other things. Those are the, the big ones, um, you know, mood, depression, recovery, drive, uh, morning wood, muscle. Um, there, are, there are a bunch of others, but th those are sort of yeah. you know, the key ones that affect how we live on a day-to-day -day basis. And, well, and there, there's, you know, there's a survey, you know, there's a um, survey that's actually been developed and tested. It's called an atom test. What, what it means is, is irrelevant, but it's a 17 question um, testosterone related that's graded from one to five. And when you tally oh. this up, it sort of relates to, you know, a 92%, you know, whatever the percentage is, you know, relationship to testosterone, but ultimately you need to test, right? Ultimately yeah. you just, and you can do, just do a total and a free testosterone through blood or saliva. Um, total you can't do, but if you do that, then you'll know. And you match that up with how you feel. Now you have a real, efficient, useful gauge of your health, which can then say, all right, maybe that motivates you to make some changes. Um, one of you've used the device, you know, CGM, right? Sure. So the CGM is cool because you can see the changes without, without getting into how it can affect your health down the road, down the road. One of the more powerful things that I've seen when I have people wear a CGM is if they care about their health and they see a spike, or their blood blood sugar doesn't come down over time, right? They make a change, right? They they know, and it's it's great that it's more instantaneous. But they can. I'm not going to eat that, or I'm going to eat this at another time of day. Right. If you know what your testosterone levels are, if you know some of the symptoms related to those, then maybe that will motivate someone to go. Okay, you know, I'll make I'll prioritize sleep, right? I'll check into well, my blood sugar is though. That's, that's another big one, you know, inflammation caused by blood sugar fluctuation affects the testes, you know, it affects metabolism. Ah, so that's, that's, that's a huge one getting blood sugar balance. The third, probably well, there's four of them. The third biggest one is stress, you know, um, pituitary, you know, cortisol, um, affecting the brain, the brain sort of a thermostat. And when you're under stress, it stops sending the signals to the testes to work. 
That's interesting. I had heard that there's like an inverse relationship between cortisol and testosterone. There is correct. Yeah. So when your body is under stress, it's, it's, it, it becomes more catabolic, right? So there's an anabolic versus a catabolic balance. So right. if you're under stress and you need to survive or run away <laughs> or, you know, get into a super sympathetic state, what is your body going to do? It doesn't care about necessarily, you know, building your muscles up and, and recovering. It just wants you to live. So when you're pushing, right. I, I have this major stress, I'm shutting down testosterone, right? Yeah. I'm shutting, or, you know, for women, it shuts down for fertility. Well, yeah, and I guess that there's some connection to that for the men too. Maybe they're not out seeking mates when they're just trying to survive. You're not out seeking mates when you're just trying to survive. That, that is correct. Yeah, you're yeah. just trying to find a safe place and you're just trying to live. So the, the body knows that and it shuts that down. And yes, yeah. it, there's, pro there's a good part to that, you know, in hormetic effects where we challenge the body, you know, whether it's sauna or cold or fasting, you know, there's, or we're talking about later putting an ice pack on your balls, right? <laughs> these Ooh. are, these are, these are challenges we can make to our body that make us stronger. But if we're continually under stress. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's right. Because the stress, I mean, even exercise, which is everybody knows is good for you. That's stress. So it's, stress. Yeah. it's not that the, it's not that having no stress is the ideal. You just need some stress and then you need to recover from the stress, right? That, that's correct. And uh, the recovery is the most important part of the physical activity. You know, okay. we're, you know we, we tend, we, we tend to focus on, you know, like I do, um, you familiar with Carol Bike? No. Okay, so Carol Bike is this um, AI. It's really quite cool. Right? Uh, so it's it's an AI powered uh, magnetic flywheel cycle. Okay, and what they've huh. done, yeah. So what they've done is they've created an algorithm that um, copies something called the Wingate protocol, and that okay. So the Wingate protocol, you know, you need to do in a you know in, a, in an exercise physiology lab, and basically yeah, like doing VO two max testing or something like that. It's two 20 second all out physical activity. Okay? okay. The flywheel adjust based on how much power you can generate, how long you can hold that power curve. And then it plus your heart rate recovery. Okay. okay. So the score that you get and your fitness level is, is partly based on the power you can generate, but the algorithm is actually more important on how fast your heart can recover because right. that's the key how quick can you flip from sympathetic to parasympathetic okay. and if, when you can strengthen that nervous system response you are fitter sure so it so it, you run up the hill and it's hard but now you can recover and you know how you have your next hill set and you've recovered right, right? so that's the important part it's very cool how does that relate to testosterone the challenge of the stressor, that quick stressor and the recovery. So you're not, so it's that recovery part of the curve, which is the most important for the body. So when we, we stress ourselves, whether it's doing intense, right? So you do um, heavy weightlifting, yeah. right? Or you do heavy weightlifting with bands. So you don't have to, you can get the same growth hormone, hormonal anabolic response without having to move as much weight and, and get hurt. But that heavy lifting short bursts, will have a hormonal effect and but it's much more as opposed to 
you know, we look at cyclists who are doing five day, you know, 50, 60 miles a day uh, uh, and that trashes them, right? There's yeah. inflammation, there's low hormonal levels, there's white cell counts. It's not healthful. Oh, yeah. So, so anyone's doing that, it's, it's not a healthful thing. It's a stressor on your body. Now, does that mean you can't recover from it? No, totally not. But, you know, when we look at, you know, chemistries of people who do that and they do it too frequently, they're wearing themselves down. And it's just, it's a price uh, you pay you. if you really I love it, you. but don't think, <laughs> you know, don't think it's a, it's a health thing. You know, it might be a mental right. thing. It might right. be a purpose for it, but it's not a physiological hormonally beneficial activity. Cool. Well, Hey, let's dive into, and I don't know what, you know, what the categories are, but let's dive into like some buckets and then some specific thoughts or tips or rules of thumb that we can all take away from this on what we can do for ourselves to improve our, the way we exercise or the way we recover or what we eat or um, our, you know, our lifestyle things, factors, how we deal with stress, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even things like supplements or alcohol consumption or, you know, how would you want to go through that? It must be a long list. Yeah. There, there's, there's certainly a number of different things one could do. And, you know, since we're, you know, we're starting, like we said, just to repeat, we're starting with this framework of testosterone as your marker. So objectively knowing uh, your levels is a really good thing. And, sure. and there are other markers while, you know, other markers with testosterone at some point people, you know, you can do total, let me just sort of clarify total and free testosterone. Well, so, good. yeah. So total testosterone is the amount that the actual testes produces. Testosterone is not water soluble. So it actually needs to be carried around in the blood bind to a protein called sex hormone binding globulin that's okay. produced in the liver. This protein is sort of um, allows, it, it holds 97 to 99% of testosterone, okay? Then there's one to 3% that isn't bound and that's, that's the amount that can actually get to the cell receptor. So the total testosterone is the 97 to 99% that's bound to the protein plus the one to 3%, which is called free or bioavailable. And it's not, there's some gray areas in that, but you know, it, for the sake of um, explanation, we have two buckets and it's okay. only that small little bucket that gets to the cells. So, so it's the level of that small bucket that we're interested in. The level that small bucket is the one that can get to the cell that we're most interested in. Now, if you just test here, here's the, the, why you really want to know both. If you just test total, okay, you can have a decent total, but for some reason that protein is running at that 99%. So your liver is inflamed or your liver has, there's some estrogens or your insulin's off or, you know, a, a bunch of reasons, or you're exposed to, um, you know, xenoestrogens that'll all rise the SHBG. So now you have a good total testosterone, let's say it's 600, which is like upper 70%, but your free testosterone could be low. And I see that a lot. So you, huh. someone could look at your total, doc said, oh, I looked at total, you're good. But no, you don't have enough signal. Or vice versa, if you just look at free and it's low, then you don't know if you're producing enough, right? So you can have a low free if you have too much protein, right? You can also have a low free 
if you're not producing enough at the factory. Can you have a high free but low total? No, there's not. There's not. There's not enough dialing. Um, you know, fine tuning on that. Okay. So, okay. so the idea is knowing both, and then other markers. You know, there are other key markers that in the brain, like there's something called luteinizing hormone, which is the signal from the pituitary, pituitary to the testes, and that tells us how the brain's functioning. Okay. There's that protein, the SHBG, which which tells us how we're holding on to it. And then there's the other hormones such as estrogen, which the body makes from testosterone. And we need some estrogen. We yeah. need a balance because actually estrogen is the hormone that gets into the brain and plays. It's the one that the brain has a feedback on. So oh. the thermostat for testosterone is not as much set on testosterone. It's more set on estrogen. And I understand that body fat levels affect conversion of testosterone. Body fat levels affect, you know, phthalates and personal care products, you know, um, xenoestrogens in the environment. Right. Plastics, uh, BPA. Plat type it, stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Body fat. So, so that man boobs, right? So if your estrogen's high, that's going to drop your testosterone because your body says, oh, you, it thinks you have too much testosterone. Oh. Because the surrogate oh. estrogen is elevated. So because oh. so that's what gets into the brain. And then the brain says, oh, turn it all down. Turn it all and, down because yeah, we don't want you to have too much estrogen. That, that's correct. So it's using that as a surrogate. Right. Right. So, so those are key markers. Other ones that um, we look at, you know, are in this level is ferritin levels, which are iron. An iron. This is an iron storage, which, which you don't want too much of. Iron ferritin is a little bit tricky because it could be an inflammatory marker. Uh, you know, the medical term is acute phase re reacted, right? So yeah. it, it can be up, like, if I measure your blood after you did a marathon or did a big cycling race, your ferritin's going to be high. It's a marker uh, of inflammation. Oh, but is that it, like maybe even breakdown of your muscles or something if you've done something hard? Uh, part, partly because ferritin is, is in the red cells. That, that's, that's correct. Okay. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that and I'm sorry, yeah, I'm interrupting yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You're probably right in the middle of something important, but the, the thing that I've been trying to find a way to squeeze into this discussion <laughs> was this business of the receptor. And uh, it, uh, what I always understood is that the level itself, the reason why different people have different levels and some people with a, with a low level are fine. And some people with a high level are not fine is that they have different levels of receptors and it's the combination of the amount of the hormone and the number of receptors that determines the effect. Am, am I saying yeah, yeah, something yeah, that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And I'll, and I'll tell you the the way, two ways, you, the, the most poignant explanation of that is when I, when I was doing in, in full practice and I would give people injection, they'd come in and they'd have low testosterone, right? Or they, their uh -huh. testosterone total would be 400, you know, so the range is 300 to 1,000. And they'd come at 400 and they just would feel like crap. And they just, you know, all the things we talk about, depression, fatigue, you know, fatigue is another big one with um, testosterone. I, I overlook yeah. falling asleep after dinner uh, is, is like, a for some reason, a key marker of low testosterone. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's a guy who eats dinner and just goes up to bed. You give them testosterone and they come back like in two to four weeks and they're like, it's a new person. You're like, it just, you've, you've like turned them back on. It's, wow. it's really incredible because now you've flooded these receptors, which have been upregulated because testosterone has been 
been low, right? So, so okay. testosterone is very low. The cells are going, Shh, we need more, right? So they're becoming more and more sensitive. So now you've given them testosterone, you've got them back up and it's like they're electric. Then yeah. they go and they, they stay this way. And three months later, two things happen. You know, it's like almost to the one, you know, doc, I, this isn't working anymore. I just don't feel the same way. It's like, can we make the dose higher? I'm like, no, <laughs> your levels are good. No, no, I, can we really, it's like, it was so good. And I was so blah, blah, blah. And like, and my wife was so, I was like, okay. So one thing is like, I say, the first thing I, I realized after a period of time, is like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop. No, 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 I don't want to stop. No, no, you need to stop. And if, cause you just told me it's not working. So I don't want you to be on a medicine that's not working. So some will and some won't, but the ones that do, they'll come back in three weeks and go, oh, <laughs> I, I forgot how bad I felt. Oh, and, oh, so they were actually still getting a benefit. They just they just didn't have that anymore. initial, right? It's like moving, like you so boulder, you move to a new location yeah. and it's like fabulous and it's beautiful or you meet someone, you know, beautiful woman. It's like all those initial things. You know, we lived on Orcas Island in the Pacific Northwest. And it was like, yeah. and I, I think even like after five years, I still appreciate it. But I didn't stop and stare at the gorge. Right. I, you know, yeah. I, I, you, you just lose that. It's just natural being. And the other thing is, especially people forget, like we, do, we don't, it, it all depends. They didn't realize like testosterone, like what it was. And that's another thing for guys with testosterone. They don't realize how they felt when they're in their twenties. It's sort of a frog in a, you know, a pot. It's like they're getting heated and, you know, and after a period of time they forgot how good they felt. So pulling it away was like the best sort of innovation in reminding people. So what happened was they took their testosterone and the receptors downregulated. So what they initially felt was just, you know, was a wonderful honeymoon phase, but you're, you're just not gonna, you know, have that extreme high. Of, yeah, yeah. Of and if you kept upping the testosterone, eventually you would cause some health problems. You're going to cause this, right? You're because you're going to now make too much estrogen. You're going to make too much DHT, and you can have all these downregulated hormones, which are and and remember going way back to um, the beginning of the talk where I talked about the you know so the irrigation system testosterone is pulsatile. When we give people injectable testosterone, we're really not giving it in a physiological way. Oh, right, right. Right. So it's, you know, we're, it's, you know, you're stuck. If someone's really low, you need to help them. And there, there's ways you can do it. Um, people have gotten more sophisticated with not just giving like the worst is a pellet. It's easy for you. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe it's slowly released um, or, you know, you'll give people slow release that lasts a month and you know, we're getting into replacement. But if you look at half lives and time curves, um, it's a lot better to give someone a smaller amount frequently during the week, two or three times, that's that's better. And it's even better to sort of go lower and combine that with like a sublingual. And this way you're getting some pulsatile on top of a basic plateau. So those are nuances of replacement that are much more sophisticated. Or even while we're on this realm, um, you know, if guys have, we're talking about testosterone support pharmaceutically, is you don't have to replace. Because when you replace, what you're doing is you're telling the factory, whatever is production producing, we don't need you, right? So now you're throwing a signal to the brain to saying, don't make LH because it's seeing testosterone. 
and it tells the testes to shut down. So people who take testosterone, their testicles shrink and they become, you know, they, their fertility goes down because you're shutting down. So if you're young, if you're 75 or 80, sure, take testosterone, right? And it's like, I just put my dad on it. He was like 300, you know, to go through all these pieces, not worth yeah. it. He was losing muscle. It's like, just, just take it, you know, yeah. do it a couple times a week. He's in Mexico and, you know, he figured out how to do that. And that's, you know, you can't be perfect. You gotta, you gotta sort of weigh the benefits of, of what he's able to access and achieve. Were there other ways? Sure. Probably. But if you take someone 40, and you put them on testosterone, you're not fixing anything. You're just committing them to testosterone for life. And because uh, what if you, you're just, it's a bandaid to the problem. And then yeah. that's, you know, so there, there are um, other yeah. medications that people use something called HCG, which is human chorionic gonadotropin, which stimulates, which acts like that brain signal, which actually can tell the testes to make. And it's one of the things I learned from Gene Shippen was see if the testes are working. So if you give them that and you can produce testosterone, it says it's not a testicular problem. The factory is still going on. Maybe it's the brain. And then there's a, another medication that came out. It's called enclomethin. And what that does is block. It's a selective estrogen receptor modulator. It's called a CERM, right? So it blocks the receptor to estrogen in the brain. So as we said before, if you the estrogen isn't triggering the brain, then it's going to send out a signal. So it's a way to right. trick the brain a little bit. But what you're at least what you're not doing is you're not shutting down the factory. And it's sort of relying, it's sort of kickstarting that whole irrigation system as opposed okay. to just bringing in the truck. And then maybe that buys you time to do some lifestyle things to get. Your exactly. So that's probably the best way for guys. Like if you're really feeling poorly, you know, and you're young, I would do something like HCG and a serum. And so and here, here's the challenge as well, like from a medical point, if someone's not feeling good and you're really, your testosterone's so low, they don't want to go to the gym, right? Yeah. They don't have the energy or the, the real capability to recover. So you have to do something right, to right. get the system going and prime the pump in essence. Right. Um, and that, you know, and that works really reliably and consistently where, you know, just taking a botanical, that's, that's like a next level type, you know, support if yeah. someone needs it. But again, that doesn't fix the problem. Well, good. So let's, uh, we're going to run out of time without having hit the most important okay. part here. So yeah, yeah. you need so to dive up. into what can people do to make a difference? Yeah. So, so the big, so, so the big things, um, sleep, right? So, so sleep, yeah. know your sleep, you know, sort of, you know, th I'm sure things you've talked about, um, know your sleep. Okay. And, you know, I use something called an MFIT. Um, it's, you know, there's lots of devices and I've worn Aura, Whoop, Biostrap, yeah. you know, so right now my, after going through five, um, this MFIT pad, um, which goes underneath your pad can sort of track your sleep metrics. Oh, okay. And, and it does it reliably and consistently where the others, the others rely on, Called light, you know, PPG. So that relies on measuring your body metrics, and they're just not as accurate. So sure. this is really solid. And what is it about the sleep? Is there like a, a phase of sleep where the testosterone? Or well, your testosterone natural cycles through the day. It's high in the morning. Okay. 
and low at night. So, you know, most men, right? They're like, it's after night, right? So you think about it, we get drunk and then it's at night. That's when we're at, at not at our most potent. Our most potent is in the morning. Okay. So we've had this period of time, you know, to recover growth hormone, melatonin. These are all high at night, which then triggers that natural circadian rhythm to okay. be high in the morning. I guess it's like we had to go out and work, right? That dopamine, serotonin, yeah. we're up, we're restored. We need to start the day. We need to accomplish things. Serotonin at night, we're low. So it's it's that okay. sort of natural rhythm. Okay. So good sleep, quality good sleep, sleep. Good quality sleep and sort of pay attention to it. You know, I'm yeah. a, you're an accountant, a finance guy. I'm an engineer. Objective measurements, you cannot uh, beat an objective measurement because um, yeah. we fool ourselves. So that that's that's a huge thing. The second thing for me is blood sugar management. Yeah, before we jump out of yeah. the sleep thing, because yeah. uh, uh-huh. I, I think that helping people with their sleep maybe also is another thing that people can do for their testosterone. But the nose breathing, nasal breathing for their sleeping, I mean, is this something that uh, you've done or you've seen help? Yeah, I wear a mouth tape um, okay. as well. Yeah, if anyone has not read the book Breathe by James Nestor, yeah. I, I, I highly recommend that. It, it's yeah. such a good read. Yeah. One of my uh, episodes uh, late last year was with Dr. Dallum, who a researcher at uh, Colorado State. He's a he believes in a hundred percent nasal breathing, even when you're exercising at all levels of intensity. Anyway, anybody who hasn't listened to that episode should definitely do it. Yeah, so s- simple things to do, you know, the basics, right? Turning off the light, you know, not eating two or three hours, three hours before right. bed. Those those right. are huge. Not reading in bed. Well, if you're going to read in bed with a Kindle, wear wear some you know blue blocking glasses or turn on a filter. The nasal tape helpful for us. We have a cooling pad, and I forgot. You know, I really enjoy that. Just keeping yeah. the bed cool or your room cool and dark. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. other sort of. A device which I, I like is sort of a cooling pack, and we can talk talk more about that um, later on. You can actually use yeah. a. This is stick. for your uh, private parts, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. You can use. Okay. It's sort of a challenge because cooling yourself before bed is something that is also so people do cold plunges or cold showers, or they take a hot bath and then they cool from it. Right. So cooling, getting your body temperature down, and that's where the cooling blanket is and a cold shower or a cold plunge, yeah. a face clump, you know, those are sympathetic, <clears throat> but then they turn parasympathetic and we want that parasympathetic yeah. dominance to occur. So one of the, I might as well mention now, so there's, there's a way, it's called a jet pack. And I just, I learned about this maybe six to eight months ago um, from a nature path in Australia, actually. Yeah. And when you cool the testicles, you actually, do a couple things. You're reducing any inflammation in the testicles, which can affect testosterone performance. You are sort of creating that formatic cooling effect, very, because there's a lot of blood flow in that area. So it's a way yeah. to get cooling into your body. Um, right. And it causes this sort of relaxation response. And it's not too yeah. bad. I, I regularly do it. And, um, you know, it's something that we're, we're actually doing a small little unofficial clinical study, you know, to sort yeah, of, yeah. to see the effects of testosterone. Well, let's get the details of that. So people, if they want to sign up with you, they, they'll know how to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's oh. do that at the end. Let's keep going through the list of yeah, things. Yeah. Okay. So those, so those are the sleep things. And then looking at that sleep metrics and you'll be able to see how much deep sleep you have, how much tossing and turning, you know, did you have awakenings? You can even look yeah. at your heart rate and your breathing rate 
And that can help you like my breathing rate with the tape mask is down to 11 or 12 breaths per minute, which is very good, which is very good. Right. And I can, my deep sleep, you know, I can tell when it's off. Like last night was much better. We actually yeah. um, ate a little differently. So I have actually just a, for the audience's curiosity, I have been advocating for nasal breathing while, while sleeping. And I have never used tape because I feel like I don't need to, but I just bought some today. I'm, I'm, I am going to be using the tape because you know, uh, I, it's going to help even, even if I don't really need it, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm sleeping. So I'm going to tape my mouth. You know, you know it, 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 it helps a lot. And, you know, and there may be just things we can't do. If you read James Nestor's book about, you know, we're born in our jaws and our oral, you know, mandible is just not as wide as it should be, you know, due to de-evolution, right? If you go back and, you know, just the, he went into the catacombs and they, you know, with an orthodontics and they looked at old skulls and the changes, you know, that have occurred even in the past hundred years due to dietary um, changes and yeah. the mouths are yeah. smaller and apnea and snoring and you know, it's just not a lot yeah. you can do with that. Yeah. If you get a kid, you can actually get a man, mandible, you know, they can actually, <laughs> there, there's some people who are doing work in that, like working some dentists that work with young kids that can expand their mandible. So yeah. sleep, um, more about that, or I think those are those are no, cute. no. Let's just keep rolling. Uh, we've talked about sleep enough. There's got to be many other things. Yeah, met- metabolic, and I think for me, like I said earlier, wearing everyone should wear a CGM. It's just like it's a no-brainer. For you don't need to wear it for life, but just to have that awareness of what you're eating, and you know, we think we're good. Yeah. You're not. <laughs> so that blood test you get, A1C, and they're telling no, you what's your average. Yeah, yeah. It's worth. I mean, it's a three month. How is how is a three month average window going to help you decide what you give you right. feedback? I mean, it definitely helps if your blood sugar is high all the time. But if if the problem you've got that I might have is where. I have spikes if I eat the wrong thing, then that's not going to tell me anything. So I got to have the A1C is good. Right. Exactly. If you're diabetic and you're trying to look for downtrends, but even then it's a good marker, but, but here's the thing with A1C um, as well is A1C depends on a 90 day red cell life. So people who go very low carb and they, they change their metabolism, the red cell life gets longer. So, Uh so now you have someone who's been really clean and all their metrics are good. Their insulin's low, their triglyceride HDL ratio is awesome, their CGM is good, and they have a high fasting glucose because there's a cord- there's a physiological response, and their A1C is high. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, because the numbers are wrong. No one ever, the, yeah, the yeah, foundation yeah. of these numbers were based on old data, based on population okay. bases, and not looking at low carb paleo keto people. <laughs> okay, good. So, all right, so use a CGM. What else? Um, using a CGM for, for blood sugar control is, is huge. Stress is probably the third you know, thing that I would address. And I am just, I'd show it to you, but. What do you do for stress? Yeah. So, I mean, you can do, you can, you can do breathing. You know, I go in the sauna, you know, I do functional yoga, you know, where I'll, I'll breathe, you know, sometimes before bed, I, I'd fallen out of favor with this and um, I would do some box breathing and so forth. Okay. Um, okay. But, and th- those are, those are all good. Um, right now, the two things that I'm quite interested in are this, it's called get leaf. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a device guy, right? I'm a metric, it's leaf. So 
a lot of so age heart rate variability so let's get back yeah. to tracking because otherwise we're we don't know how to adjust it please you don't need to do these all at once right? it's just it's you know i've been doing this you've been doing this joe i've been doing this for a number of years and yeah. it's all about one little piece at a time it's all about taking sure. control of your health if you yeah. if you want to achieve something if you want to train on a bike you need to know your power you need to have trainings so it's just it's how you can take control of your health so you can live a health floor. Yeah, you got to have feedback or how can you ever- And you're not getting it from your doctor. (laughs) They're there when you're sick, really sick. So this is stuff you need to help or have a coach. So the LEAF um, is an EKG patch and it differs than all the other heart rate variability devices out there because it directly measures from the EKG. It's a direct electrical measurement so all the other measurements are downstream. They're looking at the vessel and they're using light to do that. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you cannot get a live heart rate variability. You cannot get mm-hmm. a live sympathetic parasympathetic state. So, so now you have this device that you can wear during the day and it does two really cool things. It gives you a mind body awareness, just like the CGM. So now you can say, oh wait, I think I'm stressed and you get a ping. It's like your heart rate variability just dropped 10% or 15%, right? And if it's pinging you all day, then you know you're not doing something right, right? So so now you've created that awareness of, okay, I need to make a change. And whatever that change could be, it could be personal, but then they tie into a particular breathing pattern. And what's, what's really cool about this is you can do your box breathing you know, or your, your four, seven, eight breathing or whatever, you know, there's various different types of breathing, uh-huh. many more. They link the breathing pattern and they found it's a different ratio for each person, slightly different to your heart rate. So you're actually breathing in at a certain point and breathing out and because the EKG, I mean, this is an EKG you're wearing, right? Um, yeah. you, and so this trains yourself over two minutes to raise your heart rate variability. So now you've developed this ability in a very powerful way to directly hack your parasympathetic sympathetic system by breathing. Well, cool. Okay. For the sake of time, let's, let's, we'll get something in the show notes for that, um, get leave thing. And uh, what else? So what else? Um, Like one of the things I've always heard actually for a long time in multiple different ways was very hard exercise, like lifting maximum weights right, right. or sprinting things that are, you're all out. Right. So the thing I use, I use the Carol bike just to, again, for metrics. Right. Now, the Wingate thing. Yeah. yeah. The Wingate is super good at doing that. Um, but certainly going to failure, I guess. Yeah. It's going to that full failure, right. And, okay. and it's going to that full failure. Now the challenge we have sprinting would be great. You have injury risks, right. You know, you know, going uphill hard, doing, doing, you know, high intensity training. These are all objective and subjective and they're definitely much better than going for long rides. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. so it's, you know, Marx for is testosterone. In, yeah. Marx is in, you know, in his primal fitness book, it's like easy, slow, long, which is sort of that recovery parasympathetic balanced with short, high intensity, right? Run fast, uh-huh. lift heavy, yeah. um, polarized training, polar polarized training. The, the cheat or the hack on the, the go strong was blood flow restriction bands. 
Um, oh, yeah. So looking up katsu. So there's there's all these cool stuff out there that make things safer and easier. What katsu does is it uses um, pressurized on your limbs, and what that what that does is it cycles this through and it creates or it tricks your body into um, thinking it's working out harder. So one, you can't lift as much weight. So it's like thirty percent of your max weight, forty percent. Oh, this, so you're, this is in the blood flow restriction. Right. So because you have blood, yeah. so you can't lift as heavy. Yeah. So, so it's a way of not having to lift as heavy a weight, which might injure your joint, your tendon, but you still get the same metabolic benefit from um, that you would have gotten from lifting heavy, right? That's correct. And, and it does one step better is you never, a, a lot of the typical hormonal recovery is when you have the damaged fibers. So it's that recovery. But in this case, since you're not pushing as hard, it's more of a um, lactic acid hormonal response. Oh. You don't actually damage the fibers. So you can do it more frequently. Ah, you recover faster because there was less to less, recover from. There's less to recover from. Yeah. So that's like a really cool, cool thing that um, with, with the strength to make things okay. better. Now, none of these, none of these have to be done, but they're just ways to do them better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ways yeah, to pick, do them more efficiently. you like and try them and keep trying them until you find things that work. So what about sunlight? I've heard sunlight Sun. is a good deal. Yep. Sun, sunlight, you know, so some of the other markers, which we, you know, vitamin D is vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids are some of the other markers that you want to look at blood, but totally sunlight using a little bit, getting a little bit of like UVB, um, which is what triggers vitamin D, right? So the problem with getting UVB exposure is the angle of the sun. Right. So if it's if you're off season, the angle of sun ref, reflects through the atmosphere at a very sharp angle. So you get the UVB rays, very, very little make it to the surface. And the same thing during the day, right? When the sun's low, it's reflecting, refracting through the atmosphere. Uh -huh. So it, that's why sun to get your UVB to get vitamin D, it's like 10, 30, 11 to 2. That's your okay. peak. Yeah, 10, 30, 11 to 2. And depending on your longitude, um, your, I'm sorry, depending on your latitude. You know, so if you're, we're pretty good here. Actually, um, Western North Carolina is about where Southern California is. It's, we're just a little bit north of that. But if okay. you live in Northern, in New England, you live in uh, Oregon, Washington State, you know, that yeah. period of sun or UVB exposure is May through October. Yeah. So you, you really need to um, specifically look at that. And, and the device, <laughs> someone's supposedly coming out with a full spectrum, but there is, you know, since we're on a trend, there's a device called Sperti, S-P-E-R-T-I, Sperti D. Yeah. It's a bank of UVB lights. Oh, okay. And you can just put it on. We, we got one this year and um, you, it's six minutes. So it's a So this is different than just like a, a light you might use for seasonal effect. There's a more full spectrum, right? So these are very high UVB intense lights. So you could get a sunburn from these. No, lights. no, you get mainly you get the sunburn from the UVA. Oh, okay. And the UVA is it, it's it's a debatable, right? It's like it's the UVA is is important for nitric oxide, and the infrared is important for nitric oxide. Those are the other like Whole Foods, right? The sun is a spectrum of energy. Mm -hmm for the yeah. body, right? We we evolve being outside too right. much causes skin damage and but enough is what we need. So the spurty okay. obviously 
vitamin D taking orally is better than not taking it. And if you're going to take vitamin D, um, you always want to take it with vitamin K and magnesium and enough omega-3. All these fats sort of work um, synergistically. Okay. So vitamin D is definitely linked to some of the free testosterone issues. Is vitamin A related? Le less so. Less so. Okay. Testicular function is boron, zinc. Those are selenium, uh, magnesium. Those are the four four ones that play a role in testosterone production. Gotcha. So some people, you know, if test, you know, these are more some of the pieces that people can do is sort of adding in particular nutrients. Um, so th those are those are helpful. Um, so other, let's say, like those are the I think the big big lifestyle factors um, from a nutritional point of view is making sure vitamin D, omega-3, broad-based minerals, are, are the, those are key. Um, and then I say the other piece to it is nitric oxide. Nitric oxide um, sort of works in conjunction with testosterone, especially oh. for, for erections. And testosterone triggers nitric oxide. Nitric oxide feeds back to testosterone and light can play a role in that. Um, healthy, the healthy art arteries, you know, does nasal breathing, nasal breathing plays a role in that because you have receptors in the, in the nose, um, beet nitrates, right? Beet nitrates okay. there, there's a dietary nitrate pathway as well that, you know, something that we've, you know, our, our the brand that I formulate very much focused for athletes on, you know, <laughs> little, cool. little, little plug. We'll get the link to that stuff yeah. here. And I wanted to ask you about a couple of other things related to dietary. I mean, one of the problems I'm sure that people have when they're dieting hard mm -hmm. and they're exercising very, very hard and they're not eating enough to right. uh, compensate for how many calories they're burning. And so their, cal their fat stores are really low. I mean, this has got to have a testosterone effect. Oh, totally. Right. Like we talked before, it's that anabolic catabolic balance. So they're just putting themselves in this catabolic mode and they're, they're breaking down, you know, proteins and muscles because they're going to use that for energy as well. So, you know, in that case, making sure it, it's a double-edged sword, right? And if you look at, you know, look at strong men, right, loaded with testosterone, yeah. They know they will not be as strong. You know, they need that extra. There's, there's, a, there's a balance of having additional extra body fat to be strong. You know, you're just not going to achieve that. And, you know, all the bodybuilders know that, you know, they're not as strong during their cutting phase. It's just, it just right. they can't be. But, you know, they're, they're sort of going over the edge for a particular event. Right. So they're cutting for a period of time to have a certain look, but then they, they go right stop back. Yeah. cutting. Yeah. It's, it's, arti it's artificially induced. Yeah. Just, so any kind of an endurance athlete who is constantly trying to keep the weight down, they probably are lowering their testosterone. Yes. You know, the combination of the endurance events and then trying to keep the weight down at the same time. And is there like a, um, I, I mean, for the older athlete, there's a, anabolic resistance kind of a thing where you, you really should have more protein than is than is normally recommended for a, a younger athlete. Does protein level have any impact on testosterone production? Um, geez, that's a good question. I would say probably. I can't, I'm just trying to think of a direct pathway and I probably, it's, probably is there, but 
it's a piece, right? You need you need adequate. There's no advantage to having low protein, so why not? Yeah, no, no, you need protein, right? Because you you need those amino acids to to fuel the pathway. So I would just you know I could be completely wrong, but if you don't have enough amino acids and your your body is not being pushed into an anabolic mode, your your body's going to say, "What do I need testosterone for?" Right, right, right. right? So okay. it's, it's well, that's good. Okay, logically, it would make sense. Perfect. One last thing. I'm sorry, two. And I'd say, I'd say that's another key factor is, is just that getting enough protein, you know, to sort of control. Most people do not get enough protein, you know, it's uh, especially if you're athletic, right. but and especially if you want to hold muscle, you know, you're looking at a gram and a, you know, a gram and a half per kilo, you know, at least 100 to 120 grams. That, and that's, that's hard to do for most people, you know, so using, like a yeah. real high quality beef based protein or using an essential amino acid supplement can really. Yeah. That's what I provide huge. Yeah. Provide a huge benefit. There's the essential amino acids that, you know, are provide all the pieces and they're like equivalent to each scoop. Five grams would give 20 equivalent grams of protein because okay. protein has to be digested and then it has to be bioavailable, but the amino acids in a particular ratio, are all absorbed in. So you're getting very little calories and in five seconds, you can get you know, a whole meat. Now, now it's not, it's, you, sh you shouldn't live on that, but it's, it's that quick support, big difference. Okay. So the last thing then actually I just have the one and that's things that maybe I'll call it toxins, like stuff you might put on your skin, mm -hmm. fragrances, that sort of thing that maybe have some sort of hormonal effect on you and preservatives and other kinds of chemicals that they put into processed foods. We know that it can affect your gut permeability, but I wonder if any of those things have any impact on testosterone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, so we have a global fertility issue. You know, there, there was another book, um, Shana Swan's the author, she's been okay. a researcher for years and talking about, you know, fertility issues and, you know, male, just like male testosterone, is down, uh -huh. you know, male fertility is down. Not only our sperm count down, because they've changed, they've actually changed the level of what's considered healthy. It used to be 100 million, you know, now it's like 15 million, you know, and, it, and it's, it's another topic, but the fertility docs don't really care so much of men because they, they just need a few healthy ones <laughs> to, to run them through their equipment. And, oh, I see. Right? So, but... That's not good for society if we can't if if we can't pro procreate in fifty years. If you start looking at because there's not enough, not only do you not have, not enough healthy sperm, but the sperm that are there can't do their job right because they require right. mitochondrial energy. So the toxins right. are are playing a role, and the toxins and the xenoestrogens play a role in a couple of different ways. They muck up the receptors, uh -huh. so they combine to receptors. They affect the liver increase SHBG. They act as a false signal on the brain, just like estrogen would. Well, is there something we should avoid then to stay away from these things? Like processed foods, maybe. Don't eat processed yeah, don't, foods. Yeah, don't eat processed foods. Get rid, of, get rid of your plastic, you know, and avoid, you know, even if it says BPA-free, you know, yeah. there's BPS. There's, so get, you know, avoid using anything that's plastic. You know, right. Don't as, heat stuff up in plastic. Don't containers. heat stuff. You know, get get the glass containers for your food. You know, yeah. you know, if you're someone who works in a 
cash register, you know, holding, believe it or not, the cash registers and the receipts. Oh, the receipts. Yeah. Receipts have BPA in them. The personal care, look at your personal care product, parabens, bisphenols, you know, use an organic, natural based, you know, product. There are many on the market, you know, that don't, if it has fragrance, anything with fragrance is, is a xenoestrogen. Um, we're, we're, we're bombarded. You, you, yeah. you literally have to focus and clean house and you know, you know you're going to be exposed, but at least you can handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Alcohol. Cause you know, alcohol is, helps you to relax. It makes you feel better. I mean, so it helps with some of the things that you mentioned, but I'm betting that there's more to it. Yeah. Um, like anything, there's, there's probably each person has a a particular tolerance curve. I mean, in reality, there's a benefit to a couple glasses of wine a week, right? It, you know, there's, okay. you know, I, I don't think if everything is in balance, those aren't going to do you in, um, right? So it, it's yeah. understanding where your threshold is. And if it's a good thing and you're enjoying life, you're probably going to be okay. But yeah. if yeah. someone's, someone's drinking six beers a night, you know, or has, right. has or a it's case. affecting their sleep somehow. And you can you can look at that. So using the MFIT, um, you can actually see someone's sleep pattern through the night. But right. yeah, I, right. I mean, it, it, it's a toxin. Alcohol is a toxin, and right. it can affect the liver. So it's not going to do you good. You know, there's probably a small amount for the social relaxation bit where yeah. it could be yeah. helpful. So, well, excellent. Okay. Rick, this has been fantastic. We've run a little over. Hopefully our audience will forgive us, but this was really great information. Tell us how we can find you and tell us about this study that okay, you're yeah, uh, yeah. looking it's, for volunteers for. Yeah, so it's a little bit more. So I have a sort of a performance brand called Pure Clean Performance, and okay. we do a variety of beet-infused performance products as well as um, an essential amino acid product, which we've had for 10 years and a uh, high quality sort of beef based protein that's super digestible. So oh. there's kept it pretty simple. You can look at that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get your website in the show notes. Yeah. Then we, we just launched a, like I said, I said earlier, I sort of there was someone who wanted me to sort of bring back our testosterone kit. So we launched a site called fix my tea, oh. fix my tea. And we're, we're just offering sort of guidance for people to get saliva and serum testing, you okay. know, done at super economic prices. And that's, that's sort of my goal. Um, and what, what's unique is, you know, we're not only offering these less than what the market is, but we're, we have backend support. Like most of the labs are just labs or they're, they're making their money off of the lab margins. And, you know, we're, we're just here to support people long-term. So great. So within that realm, we always, as I mentioned, like to vet and test things. So have an opportunity. You can, I would say best way is just to email me at Rick at Pure Clean Performance. Oh, and that's easy. We're, we're doing a small trial where 20 men or so we're, we're, we're going to be, and we haven't sent it out to our list yet. So you'll probably be getting this at the, at the correct time. Um, you'll get a saliva testosterone kit to check your hormone levels. And then you'll get a jet pack, which is the cooling the, the testicular cooling pack and you'll you'll wear that 15 minutes while you're in bed at night before you go to sleep and then you'll get a, another saliva test kit to check your levels after six weeks and then we'll cool. do one of the male her, hormone health surveys 
before and afterwards. So I want to see how you feel if, if that improves. And we want to see if we can see measurable hormonal differences. Typically, each of those, like saliva testosterone is $49 each and the, the jet back is $49. So like the normal price would be about $150 to do that. Yeah. But we're we're doing it at below cost and total would be just $49. Well, that sounds pretty good. I think I'll do it myself. Yeah, it's just, just a basic, pretty good deal. It's a way to try something funky with the yeah. jetpack and then also have the opportunity to actually have two testosterone tests for the price of one. So yeah, yeah, that sounds like a really good deal. Well, yeah, good. no brainer. Well, fantastic, Rick. Thank you again. Uh, I enjoyed chatting with you and um, becoming educated. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we, we achieved <laughs> what we set out to achieve. It was great. All right, have a great day. All right, thanks, sir. Alrighty, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Dr. Cohen about testosterone and the older athlete. You can find out more information about Dr. Cohen in the show notes. And while you're there, you can sign up to take a free fitness practices assessment, send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That'd be a great help. Thanks again.